say there was an envelope with a check to, I don't know, a million pounds. We'll use yeah. money just for the sake of it. But yeah. this check is on an island. Um, and you're based here in London, but it's on an island. I don't know, somewhere in the Caribbean. I haven't said exactly where, um, but it's on an island somewhere in the Caribbean. And it's in the kitchen of a house on the island, right? Right. And um, I also say, what do you need to actually get that check now? What would, what would your response be, essentially? Hello, welcome to Woke Finance, the podcast talking about all things finance and finance related. It's your boy Peter and I'm with my co-host Jax. How are you, bro? I'm very well, Peter. I'm doing very, very well. How are you? I am well, man. It's a bank holiday weekend, so it's always good to have that extra day. Go to sleep and wake up without putting on an alarm, man. It feels good. <laughs> it feels amazing. More than good. <laughs> I'm telling you, hopefully you're rested and ready for this episode. Today, we're going to get straight into it, which is going to be focusing on the different types of books that we've read. I have a few recommendations through someone or just randomly finding on our journey that we've been on over the last uh, few years as well when it comes to I guess financial independence and beyond as well but before we do that we want to give a massive welcome to all of our listeners all over the world keep doing what you are doing liking subscribing commenting sharing to add value to others around you as well and as per usual Jax we do give a shout out to different cities where we get new listeners today we're going to be giving out a shout out to brussels in belgium so all our yes. listeners over there boop, boop, boop. a massive shout out to you man belgium brussels oh my gosh what do i know about brussels i know about the waffles and the chocolate <laughs> come, come on we need to get on the Eurostar over there man once all of this lockdown business is over man. absolutely i'm all up for that peter whenever you're ready let's go Come on, come on. All right then, man, let's get straight into it though, man. So as you know, man, books play a key, key, key part in this journey. And when I say books, I mean knowledge, wisdom, really understanding, you know, other people's journeys and listening to what they've got to say. People that have gone way before us from decades, even that are no longer here, but they've left something, a legacy for the likes of us and others around us to pick up on. So before I actually jump into that, Jasmine, I just want to quickly ask from you, how, how uh, much of a role do books play in your life and in your journey? Yeah, Peter, um, books have changed my life. And um, if I'm really honest, I really struggled to read initially. Uh, mainly because of my lack of patience as an individual and because growing up, um, reading wasn't something I'd really done, if I'm honest. Um, I only ever read books to um, study, to pass exams, if I'm really honest. Um, and so, you know, when I got into my earlier 20s, I think I started reading my early to mid-20s, if I'm honest. Um, it was difficult initially, but I managed to kind of pick up the habit. And I'll be honest, the books that I have read have changed my mentality completely. And I would encourage everybody to um, get into the habit of reading. Hmm. We know from, you know, a few things that we've heard that the most successful people read very consistently. And that is of no surprise to me, especially because um, of my experience in reading books, trying to read at least one book a month or so on and so forth. It really, really, really does change you. Hmm. I'm definitely in agreement with that, man. And similar journey. I, I'll say I started in my late teens and it was just, um, and I'll talk about the first book that I can remember being recommended by um, who was a mentor to me at the time and it was just a as you said a life-changing book and that's what books have done to me um, and now it's, it's great we're in a world where 
if you're not that much of a fan of reading books like the tangible actual book you can listen in audio books which I know a lot of um some of my uh, guys tend to do as well they get through books quite quickly but now yeah man I find myself when we used when we used to travel to work all um on the public transport um I'll get through a book nice and easily on that train journey into work as well. Um, and I'll find myself reading quite a bit. But yeah, man, I, I agree, man. Books are just amazing. Um, and I always get excited about ordering a new book, whether it's yeah. Amazon or wherever as well. And then reading the same book, with whether it's with you guys or not, and just sharing our learnings from it as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, as I was saying earlier, I really struggled to... Um, get into the habit of reading consistently, mainly because of my lack of concentration and, and patience. Um, but I started reading on my way to work and I was privileged to be able to take the bus into work, um, which was an hour journey, but it allowed me to just, you know, get comfortable um, because the bus wasn't too packed and just literally open up a book and read. And that's how I built the habit of reading for at least, well, two hours a day because it was on my journey into work and my journey out of work. And it has changed my life. And nowadays um, I've even gone into the habit of trying to read book twice mm. um i know you mentioned audible and you know listening to that kind of stuff and i think that's great as well i don't particularly do audible um even though i do listen to things like podcasts and that kind of stuff but i prefer the fresh book um i like to make notes um and i just like to collect the books as well if you come into uh, my room i've got a bookshelf and yeah I, I actually prefer the tangible book i don't know about you well, a bit too a uh, bit uh, too much information from me, but I also love the smell of a new book as well. I don't know where it is, but you might not be up with me on that one, Jack. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on what what it smells like. I think different books smell differently. Yes, <laughs> if you know, you know in it, man. I love the smell of a new book. But yeah, man, let's actually get into. So for this episode, we're gonna break down some books. Obviously, we've read a fair uh, number of books, but we're gonna break down some books that we found quite useful and who knows, might be quite useful for others. So do you want to kick off, Jax? I guess um, you can do what I can do another after. Your first book on your mind in terms of what's been impactful for you, why, and maybe one or two takeaways from the books. Yeah, sure. Let's let's do maybe three books each and a few takeaways, if that's okay. Go for it, though. Sure. I'll start. I'll focus more on the finance type of books. Um, and, and the first book I'm going to make reference to is um, one of the first books that I read um, on my personal finance journey and, you know, starting to read books was The Richest Man in Babylon. Mm-hmm. Um, the Richest Man in Babylon is a book that I absolutely enjoyed reading, um, not only for the knowledge that I picked up, but because of how it's written. I am one of those people. I love um, classical civilization. And so, you know, reading um, the book the way it's written I just find it really attractive and really easy to read. Um, it is a book that, you know, focuses on a standard personal finance roots. Um, it teaches you things that I think everybody um, should be thinking about when it comes to personal finance. And in terms of just key takeaways, by the way, the, the book is written by um, George Samuel Clarkson or Clayson, depending on how you want to pronounce his surname. Um, and it's a great book and there's different types of versions. Um, but I enjoyed it. And the, and the key takeaways that I, I took from that book might sound very um, basic to you now, but back then in my early 20s, it really helped me to change my mindset. The first one was um, paying yourself first. And when I first came across this concept, I found it really strange. What does it mean to pay yourself first? And it doesn't even sound intuitive because when you are an employee, 
um, you, you get paid tax <laughs> or, you, or you pay tax immediately. Your PAYE, when you receive your income, it is net of tax. So what does it mean by paying yourself first? It was a very strange um, narrative for me to grasp initially. But the truth of the matter is, um, paying yourself first, um, you can look at it in a few different ways. Paying yourself first could be just setting aside a percentage of your income to be saved. Now, the richest man in Babylon talks about 10%. 10% of everything that you earn should be paid to yourself or saved. And that's what they mean by paying yourself first. In addition to that, if you set aside a percentage or a certain amount to be saved every single month, depending on your outgoings and that kind of stuff, or irrelevant of those things, if let's say you're saving £200 a month, you're committed to save £200 a month, regardless of what happens that month, you have to save £200 a month. And if you don't make enough income to pay to make sorry, to save 200 pounds, then you've got to do something <laughs> to, to, um, to cover your daily expenses because the ultimate goal or the priority is to have that 200 pounds saved. And that's something that helped to change my mindset, just to be very consistent, very disciplined in saving at least 10% of my salary or total income every single month. Deep. Really deep, man. As we, as we know, we've some of us have heard the phrase in terms of paying yourself first, man. It's really good to know where that's uh, come from on that side, man. And, you know, I've read that book um, as well. Um, I've spoken to people that have read that book and it's certainly been a life changer. I haven't, I'm yet to meet someone who's read that book and said it hasn't impacted their life in some way, shape or form. Yeah, it, it really does, especially when you are just starting off. You know, it gives you the very initial tools and, and things to think about um, in terms of just starting your personal finance journey. Now, the second key takeaway, there's a lot of key takeaways and I'm just going to focus on two. But the second one um, after saving um, that I want to talk about is making your money multiply. Um, in its um, narrative, it says, start thy fattening of purse. You can tell why I love that, those kind of phrases. Again, I'm very interested in classical civilization. Um, but what this means is just making your money grow. It's not just about saving. Um, you're saving for emergencies and saving for a few things. But then to really build wealth, your money has to then start growing and multiplying. And obviously, that's when we start talking about investing, which is my favorite part of personal finance. So yeah, that is the key takeaway. The two key takeaways I took from The Richest Man in Babylon. Again, a very um, good book to read, a very simple book to read. Um, it's not long, it's very short as well. So for an initial book, it was great for me because I did buy a few other books at the same time, um, but they were so thick. <laughs> they were so thick and I was a bit discouraged to be able to finish these books. But with The Richest Man in Babylon, it's so short. The rate is written in kind of, um, the form of parables is very easy, very um, smooth, and I would encourage everyone to um, purchase it and have a read, especially if you're just starting off your personal finance journey, or you can um, buy it for someone else. Brilliant. Thanks for sharing, bro. Um, I think <clears throat> for me, one of the uh, key books that I was introduced to in my earlier days of reading, which again was in my late teens, maybe 1819 um, and it was with um, one of my mentors at the time so 2004 book um, and it's called mentored by a millionaire by a chap called Steve K Scott um, and funny enough it's not the most popular book whenever I mention it to people it 
in most cases it is literally the first time they've heard of it and however when I when I actually opened this book I saw I was exposed to so many different uh, techniques mainly around things like vision mapping and when, when I opened it, when you look at the title, Mental by a Millionaire, you think, yeah, this is all about making money and becoming a millionaire and all of that jazz. But it's far from it. There's so much more to it. And that's what probably captured my attention the most. Um, and one of the things that I took uh, away from it is, you know, how successful driven people, they use vision mapping to turn simple ideas into, you know, big um uh, industries essentially um, and I was given an example of them uh, which I guess supported me in understanding the importance of writing down our vision Steve mm. A. Scott um, he's a Christian and he based the entire book on the learnings of Proverbs for those whether Christian or not who have ever read the book of Proverbs and you know the majority of it was put together by King Solomon who was supposed to have a lot of wisdom um, and you know there's so many sayings from that book um, and a lot of them um, talk a bit about the importance of having a vision um, and he gave an example I'll try and remember it clearly because I li literally haven't read this for about 10 years or so but he said um Actually, Jax, I'll ask you, um, using that example, if I can remember correctly. If um, I was to say there was an envelope with a check to, I don't know, a million pounds, we'll use yeah. money just for the sake of it, but yeah. this check is on an island, um, and you're based here in London, but it's on an island, I don't know, somewhere in the Caribbean, I haven't said exactly where, um, but it's on an island somewhere in the Caribbean, and it's in the kitchen of a house on the island, right? Right. Um, if I was to ask you, you, it's yours. Um, if I was to say, what do you need to actually get that check now? What would, what would your response be, essentially? <laughs> what do I need to get the check that's already mine? It's in an um, island somewhere, potentially in the Caribbean, is in someone's mm -hmm. kitchen. Um, I don't know if this is a trick question. Personally, I will say, give me the phone number of the person that lives in the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? Have I answered the question? And then how are you physically going to get that check? Okay, that's a, that's another question. Um, well, I can make a holiday of the Caribbean and enjoy myself mm -hmm. um, and, and travel there, take, take the aeroplane. Um, yeah. Or I can ask them to, um, to uh, obviously fly it out to me. But yeah. I, I prefer the first one. I, I would rather go there in person and see the check for myself. You want it to be in your hand, right? I want it to be in my hand. I don't want it to get somehow missing in transit. <laughs> My final question, I guess, is obviously I said it's somewhere in the Caribbean. You don't know where. You said you're going to get a plane. Um, what, what do you need to actually, you know, you said you're going to get a plane, which is great. But what do you actually need to actually find the actual check? Um, and then how, how, how would you know where the actual place is? Um, I'll need a map or some sort of information. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, and that's exactly where I'm getting to as well. You you need particular resource and you need the map. You're you're essentially um the fact that it's somewhere in the Caribbean, you're not just gonna get up right now and go there. You need to know exactly where you're going, whether it's yeah. on your phone, whether you've printed the actual directions, etc. That cannot stay in your head. There's no way you're just gonna go, yes. Okay, I don't have to get there. I'm gonna get on a plane. I'm gonna get this taxi. I'm gonna phone this person. I'm, no, you have to literally have it down somewhere visually. And I see. I see. Imagine but, that check being your vision, 
And that's essentially what vision mapping is. So important that we write things. Otherwise, when we don't write things down, things just keep you, you can ask someone one day, um, how you get into your vision? They'll say this another day. How you get into a vision? They'll say something else. Then, so uh, what I got from that book is the importance of literally writing it down, breaking it down into goals and tasks as well. And it helps, it's quite repetitive in that process, but it helps you to do just that. And then from that book, I literally remember writing my five-year journey um, down from that. I was only about 19 or so, so it wasn't, you know, I didn't tick off everything that I put down, but it was such a great task for me, rather than just saying, this is what I'm going to do. Let me actually write it down and visualise it. That's great. And, and it gives you something to work towards. And with those things, and, and I actually posted this the other day on my um, social media pages, I was talking about vision and, and discipline. Mm. And I talk about discipline being um, kind of a, a, an externality of a vision, because when you have a vision and as you've said, you've written it down and you can see it kind of it doesn't have to be clear, but you can see a path towards that vision. Mm. It then allows you and fuels you to be disciplined in order to execute and to um, reach that destiny. So I really, really like that as well. And, I, and as you know, we, we always talk about writing things down and, you know, I do that. I do that often and mm. it feels good every single time. The similar um, utility you derive from um, smelling a new book mm. is it's a similar thing that I get from just writing my visions down over and over again because it excites me and it gives me something to work towards. Absolutely, absolutely, man. And I, and I guess the final uh, t- word, there's so many takeaways, but as I said, it bases a lot on the uh, learnings of uh, Proverbs and it talks about, you know, people perishing for a lack of uh, wisdom, knowledge, etc. So from that, it really just encouraged me to continue learning from those that have gone before us, whether they are indirect or formal um mentors or not but the importance of learning from others who have gone before us and since then as I said I've just been reading books after books speaking to people who I might see as my peers that are experts in particular fields or people that have as I said I've been in the game for 10 plus years or whatever but the other flip side to that as well is in in all of that learning from others how are you using that learning not just for yourself but probably more importantly for others yeah what you've got from someone how can you give to others as well so it's a continuous cycle so those are in your circle you're always constantly learning and you're you're building that circle through new networks and new groups of people new minds new thoughts as well so that was definitely a massive final takeaway that I got from that book so that's mentored by a millionaire by someone called Steve K Scott Amazing, amazing. I think that's a book that you can definitely read yourselves and um, you can also purchase it for um, a family member or so on and so forth. Okay, um, I'm going to go into my second book now um, and I'm going to shift away from just personal finance to talk about my favourite subject, which is investing and particularly investing in the stock market. So the book I am going to name as um, the second one is 